0: Hi, I'm Xander Wilson, and welcome to another episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast. This podcast is about lessons learned in running a business, with a strong focus on startup founders and CEOs. It's all about finding out what gaps these disruptors have identified in the market, what they're doing differently to their competitors, and of course, to find out their silver bullet for business success. On today's episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast, I'm chatting with Yoav Amitai, CEO of ASX-listed drone connectivity business, Site. During the podcast, we chat about the boundless real-world applications of drones, on the power and future of AI in society, and the importance of surrounding yourself with only the best people if you want to succeed in business. So Yoav, thanks so much for joining me on the Silver Bullet Podcast today.
1: Hi, Zander, Very nice to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: To begin with, let's just strip it back to the start. For, for anyone not familiar with L site, um, just give us, I guess, the elevator pitch. What exactly is it that the company does?
1: So, L site is a business in the reliable communication sector. Um, when I'm saying reliable communication, that's mainly because between machine to machine. We're doing highly reliable communication systems, uh, mainly for unmanned and autonomous um, platforms, from drones to robots to other kinds of platforms that are moving around autonomously.
0: Yeah, and you've been with the company for some time now, but it's been around since 2009. How did it get started and and where did the company and the idea for it originally come from?
1: <clears throat> so the company was started with a problem or a challenge that was happening for ground forces to be able to stream video from the front lines to the command centers and to do it in a reliable way. Uh, back in the time the two founders have had um, kind of a CCTV company for technology for CCTV uh, called Sircat, um TV, basically. And they started to see that there is a big problem for on-the-move um, video streaming. And then they came up with Elsite to solve this solution. So the first uh, the first customer was the Israeli Defense Forces. We were based out of Israel. Um, the Israel Defense Forces, by you having them streaming video from the front lines to the command center, like they said, um, to be able to get a better situational awareness picture for the decision makers. Um, that's how the company started. Since then, we went through um, a lot, project, customers, technologies, um, but that's how everything started.
0: Yeah, of course. And can you just talk about, I guess, in recent years, uh, there've been you know quite a lot more new real world, up, real world applications for drone technology. Um, can you tell me a bit, about some of those real world applications that Elsite is a part of at the moment and 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 how it contributes to 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 that technological side of it
1: of course just just to connect the dots summer in 20, 2018 uh, we decided in Elsite that looking on the unmanned industry as a whole we have a very good product market fit there and we have an enormous value to unlock to this industry so we started to focus our product development our marketing efforts and sales efforts towards this market which is a rapidly evolved market. We we saw that we can become the industry standard um, for this industry, because there is a big vacuum there. No one were able to solve the problem. So we started to work in this market um, and the rest is history. We now have great traction from dozens of different customers flying with um, hundreds of platforms today, worldwide in many different places regarding your question. Um, well, it's all real life. Even we're talking about deliveries as an example, which sounds very futuristic, you're sitting in your backyard, want to have a beer and you forgot to, to buy the beer for tonight. You're going into your Walmart app, order your six pack or whatever you want to order and you'll get it within 20 minutes to your backyard delivered by a drone. That's happening today. I'm not talking about something futuristic. That's actual uh, deployment that are happening as we speak and people enjoying those services besides the, the last mile logistics in general, which is not only for consumers, it's also between businesses. Um, you can look on inspection, which reduced the cost and the safety issues that were in inspection. Rather, it's for pipelines, grid lines, um, cell towers, turb- wind turbines, etc. cetera. So um, that's another very powerful use case because the drone is much cheaper. Um, the carbon fit- footprint of it if you compare it to a full-size helicopter, it's much smaller. So that makes perfect sense. Um, the obvious use case is in the Homeland Security Defense application. We see it a lot in the Russia-Ukraine conflict at the moment. i um, seeing a lot of use in drones for different purposes, from intelligence, ISR, um, to more of a um, kind of an uh, attack weapon, I'll call it. Um, so that's really across the board in so many different applications. And I haven't mentioned... Um, agriculture, insurance, security, um, it's really endless, the, the possibilities that can be done with this great technology, that's what excites us to be this, the industry standard within this industry, because we're just stretching the surface of the deployment or how it will look like in the future, and for LSAT, that's, uh, that's a really exciting moment.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned, you know, groceries and 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 Walmart there, and and then several other um, several other use cases that that are predominantly overseas. Uh, how does the Australian market differ to to the overseas markets you're in? Is it is it a market that's that's behind in terms of embracing drone technology. Is it is it sort of one of the the ones that are ahead of the field? And I guess what are the what are the biggest use cases that you guys see up in Australia specifically?
1: So Australia, first of all, it's in line with the forefront of the countries that are pushing this in this industry forward. Also, I mean, both from <clears throat> the industry and the environment that I'll talk about in a second, and also from the regulatory perspective, CASA is doing a great job in providing the framework of those platforms to start moving around and do different tasks and australia because of how the population is distributed and the size of the country and everything um that makes a very interesting again use case for the drone to be happen and it's all from everything from deliveries that is currently happening in victoria again as we speak um, you can order from calls and get it delivered by drone up, to, up until or until Um, shark attacks in the Sydney beaches that is being tracked by drones. Um, they're working with the the life the lifeguards are working with drones to track the 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 sharks and 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 make all the warrants that uh, no one will be hurt. Um, so Australia is really is really there. Um, for all the use cases that I mentioned, that include mining, by the way, that I didn't mention before. Um, they have a lot of use cases in the, mining, in, uh, in the mining sector that are using a lot of drones to save a lot of costs on their side. So Australia is definitely in the forefront of the, of the drone industry in terms of um, all those uh, parameters.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and one of the core aspects of, of your offering is obviously the Halo product. Can you tell me about that and how it fits in with l as a whole?
1: Of course. So the Halo is a platform that provides what we call connection confidence. Think about all those drones that we were talking about in the last few minutes. One of the major challenges is how do you keep them connected? They can go to do um, the shark um, spotting, like I mentioned, or the delivery or the inspection. Whatever they are trying to to accomplish, you'll have to have a constant communication between the platform and the operator. Now, the operator can operate multiple drones, a fleet of drones. from remote location, so the drone can be in Perth uh, for for kind of a mining um, for a mining task, and the operator can sit in Sydney or Brisbane or anywhere else in the world to control this drone. So that's exactly what the Halo does: It's providing infrastructure to be able to control all those moving platforms uh, from remote location or from on site. Um, but like I mentioned before, we call it connection confidence, making sure that the mission will be accomplished uh, by having. The most reliable communication between the platform and the operator and it's not stops there we're calling it the platform because you're getting a full cloud solution that not only have the hardware on the drone that help you communicate with the operator but also on the cloud having all the system that helps you manage all those drones that are deployed out there to understand why their health condition to monitor them if you need to upgrade the software remotely everything is done from a central um drone Operator, operating system. Um, so that's that's Elisade part of it. And, and the Halo is the old platform that allows our partners to, to scale their business around what's called Bivilos, beyond the visual line of sight, um, drone applications.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I've heard that term before around beyond the visual line of sight. Can you tell me about um, the importance of the work you're doing with that?
1: Absolutely. So, First of all, just to explain what BVLOS is. <clears throat> again, I'll I'll say BVLOS. I'm I'm referring to beyond visual line of sight, and it's have twofold. First of all, is how far the drone is or the robot is from the operator, and it's it's not necessarily saying that it should be in two, five, or ten kilometers. It can be also behind a building or behind a tree, and it's already considered behind beyond visual line of sight. Also, in the same on the same level of distance, um, even if the drone is just two point eight. Mile in the U.S. as an example. According to the U.S. regulation, even if you see it in your eyes, but it's still more than two point eight miles from the operator, it's still considered beyond visual line of sight operation. On the other side, the other fault is how many operator a single operate, how many platforms? Sorry, a single operator can operate. So if you have a single operate operating one drone, that's not a problem. But even if you have someone that is operating a drone within five hundred meters. Is operating not only one drone, but two, three, or fleet of thirty drones. That's also considered BVLOS just because one operator operating one more than uh, one uh, more than one platform. So L site plays into it. Or our understanding is that if this industry or the the best way this industry will get to its full potential in size will be going through BVLOS because otherwise, if it will always stay single operator or pilot operating a single um, a single drone, that won't make economical sense because you don't put the human factor outside of the loop and you have a lot of labor costs and other costs attached to it. Only when we'll get to the, to the point that a single operator can control a fleet of drone for very long distances, then it become a very interesting business case for many use cases that I mentioned before that will make them much more economical and much more profitable for the organization that are doing it. What else they part in it is to be actually to be able to to do BV loss operations. Because again, going back to the communication, if you don't have a reliable link, you won't be able to to perform any operation you're trying to perform in out out, beyond visual line of sight. Because think about you as a pilot trying to operate in a drone and you don't know where is it, where it's going, um, what is the state of it, etc. So giving you a constant. Re, uh, reliable picture of what's going on there that's the very base of what you need to operate like that and that's what Elside does.
0: And so Yoav uh, you've been working with the company for some time now and you also uh, you know travel the path that that happens to quite a few people which is you know you sort of start at the company a little bit lower down and, and you work your way up through it um, you know off the back of various successes and that sort of thing. Can you tell me a bit about your background before Elside and and how you ended up at the company in the first place?
1: Sure. So I, I was um, graduated from the academy with mechanical engineering and um, started to work with an engineering firm. Also, there I went up the chain and became the general manager of the of the firm. And back at the time, something like six seven years ago, I was introduced to El State former CEO and founder uh, Nir Gabay, who we had a very good connection. And I I told him, well, I don't hundred percent understand. Uh, the technology and everything else I is doing, but I have a great per- passion for learning and I assume that I can do that. And the rest is history. Since then, I, like you said, moved through different um, different roles in the organization up to become the CEO a little more than two years ago. Um, and yeah, the rest is, uh, we're I'm just looking forward for in very high level of excitement of what we can do or what we're going to achieve in the next um in the future and that that's very exciting me.
0: Yeah, and and obviously being CEO um is is a different thing to to just being an employee at a company, of course. What have been the biggest challenges you think you've faced as CEO, whether it's you know internal challenges in the company, external challenges, market forces, what would, what have, what would you say have been the biggest challenges for you?
1: So I think that the biggest change, I'm not sure if challenge is the right word here, but the biggest change that you go through from being um, the second, basically, the second in the company to become the first, or to be in the head of the pyramid, is that you understand very, very quickly that if you won't make the decision, nobody will take them, and it's all on your soldier as a CEO to to get the decision, and you get only the decisions that no one, el- no one else wants to get um, down the chain. So um, you constantly be dealing with. Hard topics to be decided, but that's part of my... fun. I mean, if you don't like it or if you are um, very um, bothered from having crises or having the needs for a quick decision-making, even if it's a strategic or a small topic, still uh, it needs to move fast because my pace as a CEO or, or whoever is the CEO, that's the pace of the old company. So you need to be very minded for that. Um and again, I took I took it with two hands. For me, it feels very naturally to be there in this position and to make those decisions, um, hopefully for the good of the company.
0: Yeah, and earlier we were talking about you know all those you know potentially dozens of use cases and and different areas that the company is involved in. As as a CEO, how do you stay across? All those different things. Is it just about being an effective delegator? Is it is it about working really long hours? How do you stay across all the things the company is doing at any one time?
1: It's about constantly learning um all the time, every day, um, big part of the day, learning um everything from the business side of it to the technology side of it and being in the details. But if I'm doing the the reference um, so you need to have much more broader knowledge than a deeper knowledge in a single topic. So you need to understand, uh, offer all the picture. And then the other part of it is to bring smarter people than you to be able to help you with, um, you know, take the right decision or to drive a decision even. I'm trying in L-Site specifically, my way of um, of running L-Site is, again, to bring the best people and to make sure that they have all the ownership and all the accountability to, de- to get the right decision because they have much more knowledge than I in their domain. Um, so I'm the type of manager that provide them with a lot of freedom, um, making sure that they are on track and we all on track, but um, that's very helpful as a manager, again, to have um, behind you a group of extremely powerful people that are domain expert in their domain. Um, that's drive the, in the other day, that's what drive the business forward.
0: Yeah, and obviously Elsite is an ASX listed organization. Um, there's all sorts of things that come with that around, you know, compliance, funding, and that sort of thing. Well, tell me about your experience and the learning curve of getting your head around, you know, those additional things that you've got to do because it's a listed company.
1: Um, yeah, that's a great question. So, for a relatively small company, for Elsite being public, um, that's uh, it. Have some load there in terms of the work the work that needs to be done um because being a a public company um it's coming all the way from being in constant um relationship or constant communication with the investor community you know from webinars to newsletters to some calls um roadshow that are just you know to have more people look at the stock and everything um so that's on one hand on the other hand i would say that um you have a lot of background noise i will call it and keeping yourself and the business focus regardless of this so to speak noise um, that's very challenging the reason i'm calling it noise is because it's very hard um, as far as my concern to look from outside on the company and said that's what this company should do or should have done um, in the end of the day i think people are investing in um in potential and in execution and in the people who run the business, that they believe that they can execute on this strategy that they are putting together and communicate to the industry. Um, and here, that's that's part of the challenge because not all the time all the investors fully understand what is the strategy, what we're doing, what we're what we're doing. Um, sometimes we let go. I mean, we release a part of our legacy product just to be more focused and drive more growth in new and existing features and product that we're releasing to the market. So that's. Um, I think that's the main challenge or that was the main difference for me becoming the CEO and understanding that um, the company management and the company employees are the one who understand the business better. Obviously, being completely open for feedback and criticism from anywhere we are getting from customers, investors, um, and other um, other kinds of feedback. Um, but still understanding what is our strategy and making sure we are focused on executing it. and evaluating if we're on the right direction all the time on a, literally on a daily basis and keep push forward and execute
0: yeah, and I just wanted to touch on something that's, I guess, a little bit of a side note. Obviously, throughout the tech world, AI, artificial intelligence is, is a popular buzzword at the moment. You've, you've sort of got a lot of companies uh, wondering what their AI strategy is. Um, what sort of advantage does having such a deep and lengthy experience working with AI give site moving, you know, moving forward into the future? Because you guys have been working with it for you know, well over a decade.
1: So, I think that there, there were no many technologies, if you think about it, there, mo- there were no many technologies that completely changed the way we communicate, the way we commute, the way we are actually um, affecting our day-to-day. To mention few, so that was the PC, after the PC it was probably the internet, after the internet it was the mobile phone, I'm talking about the smartphone. After that, the social network. This were another, and now I think that the next big thing is the AI. And people, I'm not sure everyone understand how powerful it can get and how many different use cases it can have. In our industry, is really powerful because to provide this connection confidence that I mentioned before, you must work with real time tools that will have the ability to get much faster decision making than a human being. Think about the halo and trying not to get into too uh, too much of a technology um, terms, but try on the, think about the Halo, the way we are doing what we're doing is we're using or utilizing multiple interfaces at the same time. So that can be a different um, cellular carrier, that can be satellite communication, that can be Wi-Fi, that can be any kind of point-to-point communication, et cetera. And what the Halo actually does, it's like managing a taxi stand that every package of data that is getting to the stand needs to be distributed to a location, some location. And the Halo actually sends each packet to the right taxi to be Convoy to to their next destination now that's happened thousands thousands of times within every second or millisecond and you can't have Someone that will intervene a human that will be in the loop there You must have the artificial intelligence or the intelligence of the software Let's call it to be able to do, to do this uh, Switching and routing of all those packages that are going through our system. Um, that's how we utilize it and we only again I think us As uh, human beings, we're only started to understand what can be done with it. I hope that in general, I hope it will be for the good. Uh, You know, people or organizations or governments can take it for other direction. I I hope that we'll find the right way. So it will be used mostly for the good and not for the bad. And each one of us will say what is good for him is what is bad for him. Um, But for us, it's a really powerful tool. And we, like you said, we have a lot of experience working in those areas. Um, and it highly affect our our value to the customer in the end of the day, and we are constantly improving it and developing it.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see, I guess, how the world continues to interact with it. And just to my final question, which is the title of this podcast, which is what is your silver bullet for business success? And, um, you know, just to give you a bit of background, it doesn't even have to be something that's related to your everyday business. Some people come on and say it's a mindset or a philosophy uh, or, you know, going for a run or a surf in the morning Um if you had to put it down to a few things, you know your success or what you think you do differently as a business leader, what would those things be?
1: So I think it's what I touched base in the in a few minutes ago. In the end of the day, business are done between people, and business business are driven by people. I think that the best advice or the best silver bullet that a CEO for any business, any size of business, have is make sure you have the best nothing less than the best people you can have on every single role um everything from the um, company administrator up until the cto and head of marketing and sales and everything everyone should excel in what they're doing and then you feel the impact of a group of people a team of people working towards a shared goal and push each other forward to execute and to um to fulfill the strategy i think that's the very basis uh, and one more extremely important thing is that if you are able to bring the most talented people, let them do the work. Don't be the bottleneck and don't be bothered of meetings that you are not part of the meeting or decision-making that you are not part of the decision-making. Obviously, you need to monitor it. You need to make sure that everything is going towards the right direction, according to our strategy and everything, but don't be the bottleneck as the CEO. I think that's the silver bullet for any um Manager, by the way, not only for for a CEO, but specifically for a CEO, it's even much hard, It's much much greater than that because, like I said before, you cannot be an expert in everything. You need to be. You have the people. You need to be expert in bringing the right people and let them execute um, what they're doing.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Yov Amitai, CEO of Elsight.
1: Thank you then, it was really great to speaking with you and uh, hope you see you um, sometime in the future.